All right, hello, what up? Welcome back. What are we at? Episode 12 of the podcast now? All right. So we're... November 22nd. It's about quarter or ten in the morning. What are we, like, two... Just about two weeks into next gen now? And, um... I think everyone's pretty... Pretty locked in at this point. Been playing with our new consoles. I honestly I haven't touched my PS5 in a week because I've been playing Assassin's Creed. But whatever. I there is some PC or I think Steam really it in terms of support for the DualSense controller. I still haven't been able to get that to work with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which stinks, but it is what it is. Um we actually have a lot to get to. Specifically in terms of, like, non-game stuff, and then game awards, so... I guess we'll we'll probably do some game awards talk for most of this first half, buzz through a couple news things, touch up on a couple things in Valhalla, and then talk about some non-game stuff, because there was a good amount of it that came out this week. But anyway, game awards, nominations came out earlier this week. Um... Nothing too surprising, I don't think. I, The Last of Us 2 got the most nominations, which, whatever. Kind of saw that coming, but anyway. So we'll go through we'll go through a bunch of these nominations, and then uh, I guess we'll touch on Game of the Year at the end. Or should we do Game of the Year first? Because some of this stuff does... Okay, let's do Game of the Year first, because some of my thoughts on some of these categories goes back to game of the year but uh so game of the year this year we got animal crossing new horizons doom eternal final fantasy 7 remake ghost of tsushima hades and the last of us part 2 uh nothing in here is really surprising doom eternal i understand why it would be in here i personally would have nominated uh ori and the will of the wisps or Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order over Doom Eternal. And the only reason I thought Jedi Fallen Order might get in this category is because it didn't make the cut for the Game Awards last year. So it is eligible for awards this year. And it was my Game of the Year last year. So. But it didn't make the cut here. Doom Eternal got that spot instead. The rest of the category is not surprising. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons was really my... It was like the game of the pandemic, I think, or at least the shutdown from the pandemic, right? It came out right as at least the United States sort of shut everything down. And a lot of people (laughs) put a lot of time into it. It was like the perfect drop for that kind of game. Super casual. Anyone could play it. And, And it was really good. I liked it a lot. I haven't touched Animal Crossing in a few months. Right, if I fired it up right now, my villagers are probably like, oh my god, where have you been for the last four months? <laughs> Not around. Um, but anyway, that was my early contender for Game of the Year. Doom Eternal, I didn't play. I honestly have never played a Doom game. I know they're good. I would like to play them at some point. I just, I haven't. So, I can't really say anything about Doom Eternal. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Again, at the time it came out, my game of the year. That game was incredible. Uh, it it really was 
just an impossible game to remake. And they did, and it is it's fantastic. Although Nomura got his hands in there a little bit too much and they went a little Kingdom Heartsy with it at the end. But whatever. So that would be I mean, the year the year was stacked for games this year. Like and then Ghost of Tsushima came out. Now that's my game of the year. I, I just think it, Ghost of Tsushima was a fantastic game. And I loved it. And when I played through New Game Plus last month, it, it just reaffirmed how much I loved it. That game is just so good. And that's my pick for game of the year. And it's the game I think is going to win, too. Uh, Hades obviously just came out in the last couple months. Super Giant Games is just really good. Uh, I think they deserve this because all their games are just fantastic. Uh, even if I didn't like them, they're just they make great games over at Super Giant, and Hades was phenomenal. So that got in here, and then The Last of Us Part Two sort of by default. If The Last of Us Part Two wins, I'll be kind of annoyed just because I didn't like that game. I love the first Last of Us, but that game is just I didn't like it. So it's it's a good game. I just I hate the story. And I said this when I made a video reviewing it, that for a narrative-based game, if I don't like the narrative or I don't think the narrative is good, I'm docking you extra points. So it doesn't matter how good the rest of the game is. The game is built on its narrative, and I thought the narrative sucked. But anyway, uh, game direction. Let's just skip that because whatever. But game direction was Final Fantasy, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life, Alex, and The Last of Us Part Two. Whatever. Uh, best narrative. It's 13 Sentinels, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part Two. Again, Last of Us, throw it right out because I thought the narrative was garbage. Uh, Hades, Hades uses its narrative in a really creative way to fit sort of the roguelike thing. So... I mean, it's, it's really good, but I'm not putting it in there. This one I'm probably putting... Like, I would love to say Final Fantasy VII Remake. But it's a remake. So it's not like it's a new narrative. Right? I, I don't know what 13 Sentinels is. But... I probably lean towards Ghost of Tsushima on this one. Just because Final Fantasy VII Remake isn't a new narrative. You know what I mean? But uh, art direction, you've got Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Last of Us Part Two. This is a tough one because these are, these are all beautiful games, but I I gotta go Hades, uh, Hades, Ghost of Tsushima on that one. Game's just gorgeous, fits the aesthetic they were going for. It's fantastic. Uh, score and music, another stacked category, right? Doom Eternal. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and The Last of Us Part Two. All, all games with fantastic music. Other than The Last of Us. I, I would not put The Last of Us in best score in music. So get it out of here. No. Goodbye. Uh, like, Doom, Doom's music is always good. Final Fantasy VII Remake's music was incredible. Hades has great music. And Ori and the Will of the Wisps... Like, I, I feel like that game needs to win something because it's so good. 
and and the audio in Ori is just fantastic. So my pick there is probably between Final Fantasy VII and Ori. And I don't know if Ori is nominated for anything else, but I Ori needs to win something because that game was just, oh, it was so good. And I loved it. It was a fantastic game. Um, so yeah, Final Fantasy VII or Ori, but I probably lean towards Ori as much as I loved Final Fantasy VII Remakes music. Uh, best audio design, again, Doom Eternal, Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima, Resident Evil 3, The Last of Us Part Two. I didn't play Half-Life Alex. I know a lot of people were mad that it didn't get nominated for Game of the Year. But VR niche, like I don't have a VR headset, whatever. So I, I can't tell you anything about that. I'm sure it's great, but I can't tell you anything about it. Uh, audio design-wise, this is probably The Last of Us Part Two or Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, the Last of Us' audio is always good. But Ghost of Tsushima, it's... Oh. It's just the aesthetics and the environment of that game are so effing gorgeous. And audio design's part of that. So if I'm pick if I'm leaning one or the other, I'm leaning Ghost of Tsushima on that one just because it's my game of the year. And I thought everything it did was great. But one of those two games, I think. Best performance, you got Ashley Johnson as Ellie, Laura Bailey as Abby, Dice K Suji as Jin Sakai. In Ghost of Tsushima, obviously the first two were Last of Us Part Two. Uh, Logan Cunningham as Hades in Hades, and Najee Jeter as Miles Morales in Spider-Man Miles Morales. Another great category. Um, so like they list Logan Cunningham as Hades in Hades, but Logan Cunningham also voiced other characters in that game. If I'm not mistaken, let me try to look it up here. Because uh, the voice actor, so looking at it right here, his IMDb filmography says he did Hades, Poseidon, Achilles, and then dot, dot, dot. So one of the cool things with Supergiant is that, okay, then looking here, he also voiced Sharon, Asterius, and the Storyteller. So this is one of the cool things at Supergiant is that they sort of reuse voice actors. So it's, and it's all in-house. So it's the same people voicing a bunch of different characters. And it's like when you play the game and you see the wide variety in portrayals of those characters, it's like Logan Cunningham is just a terrific voice actor. And he does great as multiple different characters in that game. Which is why, like, I I don't want to just say Logan Cunningham as Hades, because he didn't just voice Hades. So I would lean his way, because I think his voice acting was outstanding in that game. But that's not to say anything about the other people, right? So, like, I despised the character of Abby in The Last of Us Part Two, and it is not going to surprise me one bit if Laura Bailey wins this award, but Laura Bailey did a terrific job as Abby, as much as I despise that character and think it was terrible. Um, that's not her fault. She acted the role that she was given, and she was really good. 
And again, Ashley Johnson as Ellie was fantastic. Dice K. Suji was terrific as Jin. And then Najee Jeter was good as Miles. Um, so, I mean, all, all of those actors, voice actors are really good. And all those performances are really good. So, But I would lean Logan Cunningham, personally. Games for Impact. If found, Kentucky Route Zero, Spiritfarer, which I've heard good things about. Tell me why and through the darkest times. I generally like these kind of games, but I didn't play any of them. So, I... I couldn't tell you anything about them. Spirit Fair is one that I would like to play because I've heard good things about it. Um, but Games for Impact, that's usually a good category. And there's usually a nice story for whoever wins it. Uh, what else we got here? Best Ongoing, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. Warzone probably going to win this, would be my bet. Um... Hell, uh, probably deserves to go to No Man's Sky because I think they released like a big update that really bumped up the game. But whatever. I mean, Fortnite, I think, has fallen off in terms of quality. And then I really haven't played any of the other games, so whatever. Best Indie, Carry On, Fall Guys, Hades, Spelunky 2, and Spiritfarer. Again, I've heard good things about all of them, but Hades, not even close. Mobile game, what do we got? Among Us, Call of Duty Mobile, Genshin Impact, Legend of Runeterra, Pokemon Cafe Mix. Um, I'm going Genshin Impact on that one. Community support, we're now in like the fire round here. Community support, Apex, Destiny, Fall Guys, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, Valorant, Fall Guys. If Fall Guys is going to win for anything, it's for community support because all all the social media stuff is really what made Fall Guys the two-week phenomenon or whatever the hell that it was because almost entirely the community interaction part of it. Uh, best VR. You've got Dreams, Half-Life Alex, Iron Man VR, Star Wars Squadrons, and The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. That's going to go to Half-Life Alex, But again, I don't have a VR headset, so I don't know. Innovation and accessibility. I think this is one of the best categories in this whole thing. Just because I think the advancements for accessibility in games is so good. And it's so important. Um, right? Generic spiel. Games should be played by everyone. So making your game as playable as possible for everyone you possibly can should be super important. So I really like that this has a category to itself. You've got Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Grounded, Hyperdot, Last of Us Part Two, and Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, Grounded, I mean, just had like an arachnophobia slider from what I remember. I don't know about Hyperdot and Legion. Valhalla's got some some good accessibility settings, but this one's The Last of Us Part Two in a runaway that game had a bunch of outstanding settings in this area. So, Last of Us Part Two gets that one. I think it was the best thing that game did, honestly. Because it's like visual indicators for audio. You know, they were really clear visual indicators people could put on if they couldn't see through the dark. Like, it was just, that, it was really good. Uh, best action. Doom Eternal, Hades, Half-Life Alex, Neo 2, and Streets of Rage 4. 
I don't know, Doom Eternal or Hades probably. <laughs> I obviously lean Hades because that was, I love that game. And it was the only one in this category I played. Best Action Adventure, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghost of Tsushima, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, and The Last of Us Part Two. I like all these categories that only have like five games and then tacked on at the bottom is The Last of Us Part Two. Like, give me a break, guys. But whatever. Um, Ghost of Tsushima. Because I, I think, I think a game, you can't win best action adventure, or you can't not win best action adventure and then win game of the year, right? Like if you win game of the year, you, by default, you were the best game of your category. So it's Ghost of Tsushima. And you know, I loved Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I loved Jedi Fallen Order. I loved Miles Morales. And I, I love Valhalla, but Ghost of Tsushima, clear winner there for me. Um, more on Valhalla in a little bit. Got some stuff to complain about there. but uh, Best role-playing, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Genshin Impact, Persona 5 Royal, Wasteland 3, and Yakuza Like a Dragon. Final Fantasy VII Remake, not even hesitating. Fighting games, I mean, you got Grand Blue Fantasy versus Arc. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11, Street Fighter 5, One Punch Man, A Hero Nobody Knows, and Undernight in Birth EXE Late. What? EXE Late? I don't know how the hell you're even supposed to say that title. But I've never played any of those games, so moving on. Best Family, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Crash Bandicoot 4, Fall Guys, Mario Kart Live, Minecraft Dungeons, and Paper Mario The Origami King. Animal Crossing, again, it was like the game of the pandemic. And it was really good, and it's a great family game and all that sort of stuff. And that's not saying anything negative about Crash 4, Fall Guys. Minecraft Dungeons was okay. Mario Kart Live, I've heard, is okay. But Animal Crossing. Uh, best Sim Strategy, again, these are all games I didn't play. Crusader Kings 3, Desperados 3, Gears Tactics... Microsoft Flight Simulator and XCOM Chimera Squad. I actually want to play XCOM Chimera Squad. I just haven't played it. So, set that off to the side. Maybe I'll get to play that at some point. <clears throat> and now we're in, like, the categories, like, I don't care. Like, best sports racing game. Dirt 5, F1 2020, NBA 2K21, FIFA 21, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Tony Hawk's going to win that, but moving on. Best multiplayer. Animal Crossing New Horizons, that game's multiplayer was garbage. The multiplayer systems in that game were trash. Uh, Among Us, Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys, and Valorant. Uh, uh, Fall Guys is going to win the community one, so i probably give this to Among Us, just because I feel like Among Us should win something. But it also didn't release this year, so... Eh, I don't know. Like, I probably lean Among Us here just because I feel like Among Us should win something. But, whatever. Best debut game, Carry On, Mortal Shell, Raji and Ancient Epic, Roki and Phasmophobia. Raji and Ancient Epic is actually something I've seen before. And I want to check out, but I haven't played. So, I don't know. I don't... I don't really know any of these games. 
I know phasmophobia was a thing for like the month of October, obviously because of Halloween. Moral Shell I heard good things about. Carry On again I heard good things about, but I don't really know any of these games. Content Creator of the Year, Alana Pierce, J.N. Lopez, Nick Merckx, Tim the Tapman, and Valkyrie. This one to me, is a, it's a toss-up between Nick Merckx and Tim the Tapman. Um, Alana Pierce and Valkyrie I know, but I, I don't follow. I'm not up to date on what they do. Um, J.N. Lopez, I don't know who she is, to be honest. I thought... Okay, she's the CEO and founder of Black Girl Gamers, which I have heard of. I just, I don't know who she specifically is. Um, And then uh, Nick Merckx and Tim the Tatman. So, I mean, Nick, Nick became like... He erupted with Warzone this year. And not not that Nick wasn't already big. I and I just think his his content is just so good. Like his 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 Twitch streams are when they're really good, they're really good. Uh I love hanging out in Nick's stream. I think Nick is fantastic. But to me, I'd probably give this to Tim the Tapman this year. Tim Tim had a big year, right? And the the Fall Guys stuff where he's sitting there with like 400k viewers trying to get his first win. He was in an effing Super Bowl commercial this year. Like, it's Tim the Tapman. Let's be honest. Um, And then most anticipated game, Elden Ring, God of War, God of War Ragnarok. Why is it listed here as God of War sequel? Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Halo Infinite, Horizon Forbidden West, Resident Evil Village, and Breath of the Wild sequel. So Breath of the Wild 2 is obviously anticipated. I expect that will launch alongside like the Switch Pro next year. Or whatever they call the Switch Pro. They'll probably knowing Nintendo, they'll call it like the Nintendo Switch XL. But I I'm sort of expecting Breath of the Wild 2 to launch with that. And that'll obviously be a big game next year. Elden Ring is big, but nobody knows anything about it, right? Phil Spencer said he played it recently, but nobody knows anything about Elden Ring. So, and that's the game George R. R. Martin is working on too. So I just, I, I, I want to see it before I call it the most anticipated game. My most anticipated game is uh, God of War Ragnarok. God of War was so good. Um, it's just that's gonna be my game, and I'm. I know they said 2021. I could definitely see it being a late 2021 game, but it won't surprise me if they show off gameplay for that game like next summer or something, like June, May, June, and say it's releasing early 2022, maybe like an April release or something. So we'll see when that actually comes out, but God of War Ragnarok is my most anticipated game. And then you got the esports categories that I don't care about. <clears throat> so that was it. Those were all the nominations for the Game Awards. Um, now, we don't have a whole lot of news topics here. It's been 24 minutes. Let's just run through these real quick. Uh, Fall Guys has sold 10 million copies on PC. Not surprising. The game's cheap. The game's a lot of fun. 
Super casual. You just jump in and play a little bit. Fun. Good game. Highly recommended. Don't know when Season 3 is starting, but... I mean, I played it once when Season 2 came out, but whatever. Uh, Ubisoft removed the managing director of Skull and Bones. Or the studio making Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones, if you remember, is that super cool pirate game that Ubisoft showed off a couple years ago. That nobody's heard anything about. <laughs> so, that's that. And then uh, we had a new Cyberpunk trailer. Gameplay in that game looks unbelievable. There's going to be a lot in that game. Um, I am a little concerned about that game being a little too much. Like, the more they show and the more we see that's in it, it's like, that game is loaded. Uh, and if it is coming out in a couple of weeks, oh Jesus, it is two and a half weeks until that date. Mm, interesting. So I I just will we'll see about that one. I'm writing an article probably today. About Cyberpunk, I I think the biggest challenge facing that game is going to be its pacing. Cut real quick. There there's a very real chance that this the three starting paths in this game are just incredibly well done, and then it feels like you just get forced onto a rail of a generic story, and the game's pacing completely dies out. And I think that's the biggest risk the game is facing, just because th- this is going to be a big, deep game with a lot going on and we'll we'll have to see how cyberpunk maintains its momentum because i think the transition from the starting paths to the the main core story is going to be the key point in that game it could lose a lot of momentum in that shift but we'll see and then um uh, there was finally a kate bishop trailer for avengers and the only real takeaway here is that it's gonna have actual story content in it it's not just dropping a new character into the game and whatever. So when that comes out, I'll check it out. But anyway, that was a long first half. Uh, we'll take a break, come back, talk a little bit about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and then some some non-gaming stuff, and then we'll call it a day. All right, we're back. All right. Uh, so, I mean, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is the only thing I've been playing this week. I think I'm at like, I'm at like 72, 73 hours played now. Um, uh, there's only a couple areas left, so I think I'm getting close. We'll see. D- and depending on when I finish, so it's the 20 here. Let me open this. It's the 22nd now, right? Cyberpunk is scheduled to come out the 10th. If I finish in the next... I'm not going to finish in the next day or two, let's be honest. It's probably not going to be till later this week that I really finish Valhalla. In which case, I probably won't start Demon Souls because I'm afraid that I won't be able to finish it by the 10th. I don't. It, it all depends on when I finish Valhalla. Because I, I would like to play Demon Souls. But if I don't feel like I have enough time before the 10th to get Demon Souls done then I might do Spider-Man Remastered and Spider-Man Miles Morales and play through those on New Game Plus. And then we'll do Cyberpunk. 
and then Demon Souls. Immortals Phoenix Rising, we'll get to when we get to. Um, but anyway, Valhalla. Um, I don't have much to really build on from anything I said last week. Not that I remembered too much. Like, um, I thought early on in England, through the first handful of areas, the game was really had a lot of momentum going for it. And then I definitely reached the point where everything started to slow down a little bit. And going, it just sort of felt like instead of the story really driving me through areas, I was just sort of doing them to do them. Not that I'm not enjoying them, but I, I feel like the game has definitely lost a lot of its momentum. Probably around like the 50-ish hour mark. Somewhere in the 50s, it probably lost it. Um, It's still good. I'm still enjoying it. But it's really... It's just not quite driving the way the early game did. Which is natural for these big open world games. And it's why it's a big concern I have for Cyberpunk. But I'm still going. I'm still enjoying the game. Uh, I did find the Cody Bellinger cameo earlier this week uh Cody Bellinger being the outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers he's there's a character in here his name is like Olaf Sluggison or something stupid like that he's got a baseball wrapped in wire and he's he's showing off for some kids by hitting a bunch of targets with rocks and it's it's so bad. It's so bad. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen in a game. Right? Like, he he can't... One, it sounds like he recorded his voice acting through a Zoom call. Two, his voice acting is so bad. Right? You have all these people with, like, English accents or... uh, Like, they... Like, Norse... is Would the proper term be Norse accents? But, like, you got all these people with accents, and then you have this just generic American guy. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Right, and it's like, and he's got uh, the tattoos on his face look like eye black. Oh, it's, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in a game. Right, like, if you put a cameo in your game, the cameo is supposed to be subtle. It's not supposed to stand out. It's a cute little thing that if you know who Cody Bellinger is, you recognize him when you see him. Cool. Neat. It's a little subtle cameo in the background that nobody notices. But when you put him front and center, and I know it's just a little side thing somewhere, but when you put him front and center like that, and he sticks out like a sore thumb, it defeats the whole purpose. It takes you out of the game. And and the only thing I can compare it to is when Game of Thrones put Ed Sheeran in, right? They put him front and center in a scene where he was talking. And, and it's just like, don't do that. Don't put someone in there who's going to take the attention away and pull you out of the world and distract you. So it's just, it was bad. It's it a terrible cameo. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Whatever. Um, and the only other real thing I have to say about Valhalla at this point, I'm on the final boss in the like mythical side of things, right? So you go to Asgard and Jotunheim through dreams, 
and I'm on the final boss, and I I can't finish it because the boss is bugged. This, oh, it's I just. I just did this boss fight for half an hour before I recorded this podcast because I wanted to try to finish the Asgard storyline. And I I can't finish the fight because the boss is bugged. It just... And that's one thing I have noticed in this game, particularly in the last week. I've been running into a lot of bugs. And I don't think that's a coincidence because the early areas in this game where I really wasn't noticing anything in terms of, like, bugs was all the areas that when, you know, content creators or media people got to mess around with the game, they got to play in those areas. And those areas, I don't think it's a coincidence that those are the areas where, you know, the game was smoothest. It was, there was a lot of momentum going for it. And then once you got through all that, I've been finding bugs. There's a a gear chest in a church somewhere that I can't get to because the the barricade that I have to pull out won't slide across the floor. I I can't get it to move. I destroyed the boxes that were in the way, but the barricade won't move. So I can't get to that gear chest. This boss I can't fight. Like it's just it's annoying. It's kind of buggy. So it's not ruining my enjoyment of the game, but it's it's just it's annoying. And I am have I'm still having performance issues on PC. Every hour and a half, two hours, I still have to restart the game. Like it's a pain in the ass. But that's Valhalla. That's the only other thing I've been playing this week. All right, now some non-game news from the week. Uh, Wonder Woman is coming to HBO Max on December 25th. It's also going to be released in theaters on that day, um, and it's going to be on HBO Max for 30 days. Now, the one thing that I do find super annoying is that HBO Max is not the same as HBO, right? I think I need to pay an extra subscription to get HBO Max. Is that how that works? Like, you 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 pay for HBO, and then you have to... Okay, so I just, I just Googled it. It says, um, if you're a current HBO subscriber, you might already have access to HBO Max, all of HBO plus even more, blah, 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 blah. This says get HBO Max at no additional cost. But this also this says HBO Max is $15 a month at launch. HBO Max subscription costs $14.99. Um whatever. Whatever, I'll I'll pay the $15 or whatever and watch Wonder Woman. I I don't care. It makes no difference to me. Um, the only, the only real takeaway I have here is, uh, Disney, would would you just release Black Widow on Disney Plus already? This movie's been ready for like, what, uh, what was this, was this supposed to come out in April or May? April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, seven, the movie's been ready for like six, seven months, like just release it. Just put it on Disney Plus, charge me $20 or charge me your $30 or whatever and I will pay it and I will watch it cuz I want to watch Black Widow. So just put it on Disney Plus. Anyway. Um 
The Last of Us series was greenlit over at HBO. This came from The Hollywood Reporter, and then HBO officially announced it. Uh, Neil Druckmann, the creative director for The Last of Us, and Craig Mazin, who was, I believe, the writer for Chernobyl, are the ones that are going to be writing the show. Um... So, I'm still not sure, like, are they, are they just taking The Last of Us, the first game, and turning it into a series? Because it describes here in the Hollywood Reporter's article that The Last of Us series is set 20 years after the destruction of modern civilization. It centers on... Joel, a hardened survivor of the apocalypse, who's hired to smuggle a 14-year-old girl named Ellie out of an oppressive quarantine zone. And then it says, the seemingly small job becomes a brutal journey as they come to depend on each other for survival. Like, are you are you making the HBO series about the first game story? Or is this going to be a separate story in The Last of Us's world? Right, and that's a big difference for me. Because I, I don't know, I, like, I already know the first story. Like, give me, but I love Joel and Ellie. I don't know. And if you're going to do a TV series on this, I don't know. Let's uh, let's pretend The Last of Us Part 2 didn't happen. Let's let's do that. Uh, here, we'll stick, we'll skip this one for now and stick with The Hollywood Reporter. They also put out there a couple days ago that um, Black Panther 2 is set to begin shooting in July. Which I I did find a little surprising, right? The original planned start was March, and they've just pushed it back to July. Which is not as big of a delay as I thought. Um, Scrolling through here. Where the hell is it? There was a paragraph. I thought there was a paragraph in here about... Uh, I don't know. I... I'm not seeing it. Mm. But anyway, I thought I read that Shuri is going to have a more prominent role. Or is more believed to be having a more prominent role in this movie. I'm not. I'm still not sure what they're going to do. The fact that they've only pushed it back to July, honestly, makes me want to lean towards their thinking about recasting. Although I, I guess they could just make Shuri the Black Panther if they were just rewriting it. I don't know. I My personal preference for Black Panther 2 is that they they recast the Black Panther. Because I think... I think that character is not just important to the MCU. But there is a like cultural and societal importance to the Black Panther and especially what came off that first movie and I I don't think T'Challa's story is done and I, I know that's a hard role to replace but I think they might you might kind of be forced to recast him because I, do, I don't want T'Challa written out of the MCU in a dumb way so I, I don't know. It's a really tough situation to deal with because Chadwick Boseman was so good. 
And it was one of those things that you just didn't see coming. So I'm I'm not really sure how they deal with it. I, I still don't know how they're going to deal with it. Um, but we'll see as more information comes out. And then uh, Deadpool 3 is coming from Marvel Studios. So Marvel Studios is going to make Deadpool 3. Ryan Reynolds will be back. And I'm sure it'll work just fine. Because they will write some meta fourth wall breaking joke in there for Deadpool. About why the first two movies aren't part of the MCU. And that'll be that. I actually haven't seen Deadpool 2 yet. That's one of those things I still need to see. So, here we go. Disney's gonna make Deadpool 3. <laughs> it's gonna be kind of weird. That came from Deadline. Um, they're definitely gonna have to tone the character down. Because Disney's not gonna let Deadpool run as a rated R thing. And then, uh, what do we got here? Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux Loglin? will write Deadpool 3. I guess they're from... They're writers from Bob's Burgers. The Molly New Sisters. I don't, I don't know who they are. But anyway, Deadpool 3, Ryan Reynolds, coming from Disney, going to be in the MCU. Uh, and then the last thing I want to touch on, uh, it's Ahsoka week. <laughs> Ahsoka Tano is going to be showing up in The Mandalorian this week. Oh, it's going to be so fucking good. Um... I, I honestly, I can't say enough. I fucking adore this character. She's honestly probably my, I don't want to say my favorite character in Star Wars because like Darth Vader is still there, but it's just, she's right there. I, I honestly, I can't wait for Friday. Um, the title for the next episode is reportedly, uh, the Jedi, which is not surprising and there are there are rumors going around that the episode will be um around the 45 minute mark there was an early rumor that it would be around the hour mark but it sounds like it'll be closer to 45 minutes based off a rumor that's making the rounds right now um just just give it to me this this is all a so like give me Ahsoka. i need Ahsoka in live action and I need the lightsabers, and I just, I want to see her kick the shit out of everybody. Like, just inject Ahsoka straight into my veins. I I love this character. I can't wait for Friday. It's going to be awesome. Um, and actually, so, spoiler warning for The Mandalorian this past week. So, <clears throat> at the end of the episode, they found, they found a Imperial Lab. And, you know, it looked like in the tanks, if you go back and look at the screenshots of the thing that was floating in the tank, it looks like an early Snoke clone or early work on Snoke because, you know, they reference M-Count. Obviously, they're talking about midi-chlorians, so they're taking the blood from Force-sensitives and trying to artificially create Force-sensitive beings. And my guess is this is going to be early work towards bringing Palpatine back and maybe they stumble across Snoke or 
Palpatine's already back and they're trying to make Snoke. It's something like that. Um, the good news here is that Dave Filoni is already getting to work on doing for the sequel trilogy what he did for the prequel trilogy, right? In these sort of complementary series, fleshing out different aspects of the, the sequels. So dial it back, right? The Clone Wars fleshes out a lot of the little areas in the prequel trilogy and really enhanced the prequels as a whole and made them better. And it looks like he's already started doing that for the sequels. I know I know he's not the one running the Mandalorian, but he is a he is a key piece at Lucasfilm and working on the Mandalorian, so it's just he he he's involved. The, none of this crap's going on without Dave Filoni getting his hands in there, which is a good thing because the guy knows Star Wars better than anyone else on the planet. Um, but the so and then at the end they show you uh, Moff Gideon, and he's surrounded by dark troopers, which were effectively Imperial super battle droids in the old EU. Super battle droids who conveniently have vibroblades to fight against lightsabers. Interesting that they show them off the week before Ahsoka comes into the Mandalorian. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Um, the interesting thing for me... So the only person that Ahsoka can have a lightsaber fight with right now is Moff Gideon. Because he has the darksaber. But Ahsoka would destroy Gideon in a fight. Just the only person in the galaxy capable of who has shown they are capable of beating Ahsoka in a fight is Darth Vader. Right? She she beats General Grievous, she beats Maul. She I mean, she stands up to Vader and ultimately Vader would have won that fight had she not been yanked through a time hole. And then obviously Palpatine, but... No, no, there's no way that some random Imperial with a lightsaber would be able to beat Ahsoka. So the question is, like, is Gideon going to artificially make himself Force-sensitive? And be able to stand up to Ahsoka a little bit? I don't know. I know there's a lot of a lot of people are theorizing that the child is going to get kidnapped this week or something like that. Right? Like a Ahsoka will get captured or something and they'll be using uh, so, try to use Ahsoka's blood. I I don't know. I a lot of theories going around about what's happening. A lot of people seem to think the child is going to get captured. Which I can see. Whatever. Just just give me 45 minutes of Ahsoka and give it to me now. Uh, but that's it. So there's going to be some Mandalorian chatter next week. For sure. Because I'm going to be gushing about Ahsoka for a while. Um, And if you're not familiar with Ahsoka. Look her up. Because she is. She, there's a reason she's the most popular character in Star Wars right now. Uh, Because she is fantastic. 
So we'll see how that goes. Um, all right, let's wrap this up. What's coming up this week? We've got World of Warcraft Shadowlands is coming out. Just Dance 2021. Okay, I guess. Star Renegades Vigor and Spirit of the North Enhanced Edition. So, we're through that initial blitz for next gen. Obviously, some games coming out in the next few weeks. Game Awards are coming up, whatever. Um, yeah, so, anyway, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. As always, I appreciate the company. Be sure to keep an eye out. I've got articles coming. We'll be doing Twitch streams. And uh, next week, we'll be doing an absolute fuck ton of Ahsoka gushing. So, you can find me over at Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, wherever, at Sixture. And uh, I'll see you next week. Enjoy. Enjoy Ahsoka week or whatever else you're up to this week. Have a good one and I'll see you next time. Adios.